Welcome to episode 45 of Behind the Mission, a show that sparked conversation with Sycarmor trusted partners and educational experts. My name is Dwayne France, and each week I'll be having conversations with podcast guests that will equip you with tools and resources to effectively engage with and support military service members, veterans, and their families. You can find the show on all the podcast players or by going to sycarmor.org forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us on Behind the Mission. Our work and mission are supported by the generous partnerships and sponsors who also believe that education changes lives. This episode is brought to you by PsychArmor, the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military cultural content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners as well as custom training options for organizations. You can find more about PsychArmor at psycharmor.org. On today's episode, we'll be featuring a conversation with veterans Charles Tawaya and Shay DeBar about their experience filming a series of public service announcements regarding firearm safety and suicide prevention. Charles is a United States Navy veteran. He served from 2013 to 2017 as an aviation bosun's mate and salvage firefighter on the USS Harry Truman CVN-75. Charles was deployed twice with the Harry S. Truman to the Mediterranean Arabian Gulf. Charles comes from a military family where his father, a retired senior chief, served 26 years in the Navy, along with his mother, a 26-year military spouse. Siobhan DeBar, who goes by Shay, is a retired Marine and current Marine Corps spouse who brings years of lived experience in military communities to her current role as spokesperson for In Family Fire's Lethal Means Safety Campaign. Shay enlisted in the Marine Corps in 1995 and attended boot camp at Marine Corps Recruit Depot, Paris Island, South Carolina. Originally trained as an avionics technician, she eventually made a lateral transfer to career planning, retiring in 2015 as a gunnery sergeant. You can find more about Shay and Charles by checking out our show notes. Let's get into my conversation and come back afterwards to talk about some of the key points. You've both recently participated in the filming of a series of public service announcements called Service Never Stops, in which you each talk about how safe firearm storage can reduce firearm suicide in service members, veterans, and their families. As veterans yourselves, I'm curious to hear why this was such an important topic for each of you. Shay? I didn't realize how vast the numbers with veterans and suicide. I had and I know that I don't want to sound ignorant, being that I am a veteran, I just didn't know that it was that big of a problem. You hear about it, but I didn't, in my mind, you know, as a veteran, I can go to the VA if I need some to talk to someone, counseling. There's, there are things readily available for us. That's what I always thought, but I never really put it into perspective that if someone was having a hard time discussing it with someone and they're just taking it in and it's on their shoulders. Initially, when I was talked to about it. I just was like, I don't think I'm the right person for this. I don't know anyone that's died by suicide. And I think you may find another more interesting veteran than myself to talk about the topic. But the more I looked into it and read certain things and certain articles, it resonated with me. And it was, uh, I was more than happy to be involved. And the more I was involved or the more things as far as interviews that I did, I learned more because you prep yourself. And I'm, I'm sure Charles probably did the same. Some people send you interview questions ahead of time and it gives you a chance to look it up. And not just give opinions, but put facts with your opinions. And it was just, it was a crazy thing for me to learn more about that. I, something that I lived, but didn't know as a veteran, I didn't know it was that big of a thing. So I count it as a privilege and I'm glad you've been a part of it. And every day I seem to still continue learning or someone else says something different or someone else will say, hey, I saw that. You didn't even tell me you were in that. And I got that today and I thought that was kind of cool. 
I, I, and I think that is, even as you said, it was just out there and you weren't aware of it. But then as you became more aware of it, it, it became more important. Charles, I think this is something that, that you were very familiar with going into this. Yeah, Dwayne. Uh, aside from Shay, I, I had a little bit of a little more personal reason to stand behind the message and, and jump on board. First and foremost, of course, when I was approached, to me, it's just something that I've had a, maybe an energy or a feeling in me to represent and represent for my brothers and sisters that are still serving, veterans that I know that are out and trying to navigate this wild west, if you want to call it. But I, I really felt like I wanted to voice my story and voice me as a person just so I can speak to the community and maybe have others that are similar to myself, or maybe have common interests as myself and can relate and get, get behind the conversation. They may not agree fully hundred percent, but just to be one of those faces where they're like, Hey, I, I never would expect to see a guy like this on here trying to portray this message or trying to bring this out to the public. Because certain people, when they see, this might be just my opinion, but when they see campaigns such as this, you know, they see the stereotypical people spouting the same things and they're just like, ah, I'm not trying to listen to this guy. Like I, there's no common ground that they share with them. So they feel like I'm, I'm good. But for me, I felt being a diverse individual and just being able to be different and get behind this message and show like my support from my perspective. And then, like I said, just the personal experience where I had a, a brother from the military and he was during the same times we transitioned out and hearing through the grapevine that he lost his life to gun violence and, and suicide. And just knowing that I went through that and in my head was mixed emotions. And when all that came about to me and all the information. Of course, it was the questions of how did that happen? He was in a great place. He was had a great job, especially as a transitioning veteran. He was an EMT. And I served with this guy and we were part of a close-knit group of my, my crash and salvage brothers. CVN-75 is the Harry S. Truman. That was the aircraft carrier I was stationed on by Norfolk, Virginia. And then a crash and salvage were the flight deck firefighters. We're the, up there to respond and hopefully nothing hits the fan and nothing crazy really happens. And we develop that tight bond just because of the uh, the training we go through, this immense amount of firefighting. We go down to Pensacola and we're in the, the makeshift F-18s fighting fires together and just it's a brotherhood. So whether or not he was like a best friend of mine, the fact that I knew he would have my back in, in a fire or in any emergency. And then just hearing, like I said, throughout the transition story and, and knowing this kid and how joyful he was and couldn't wait to live his life, young guy, and get out there and be a, a civilian again and, and walk his path and create his road and just all that, you tie all that into a, a big old bundle of a story. And just to hear that there was a point where he veered a little and you're just like, but how, why, what happened? You have all these questions that pop up and it just saddens you. And you're just like, what could have been done? What, what could have stopped it? Just because something like that is just, I don't even know how to explain. It's hard to, it's hard to accept just to understand how you knew this individual and this, this guy and how ready he was to go after life. Like I said, it just get behind this ad campaign with this service never stops and the gun violence. To me, just I, I knew it was something I had to jump behind. And even my crash and salvage brothers would be proud to know that I'm doing it just to understand what we all went through and to know like, all right, Charles is putting the message out there. We would hate to see this happen again. It's great to see him on there. Well, and I think something that you said, and it really goes back to something that Shay said, is that main question is how could this happen? Shay, you said there are so many resources. We have number, like hundreds of websites and phone lines and the VA. And there was this, how does this happen? And I think that's really goes back to what you were talking about, that it was almost mind boggling. Not that somebody, we've all been in those places there in our minds, but how does it happen that it can get to that place? Yes. And, and I know I didn't want that to be, if you find that someone is going through that, I almost feel like that's almost a callous question to ask after, especially this experience of learning more about it, because it's almost, if you're their friend, and you're really close, or maybe their spouse, and they didn't come to you, what would make you think 
they're going to be more comfortable going outside to someone else and seeking help. And that's just something a friend of mine recently said that and in a way of, hey, when someone it's almost like a disease to be depressed, that is something they're not thinking like we think, just a rational, like you, it's just a different mindset. And that's when I just felt it was really sad. And I've been down, don't get me wrong. It's not like life is all unicorns and rainbows, but I've just never been to a point where I didn't see that it would come out, you know, I'd come out on the other end, okay. And to think that there are people out there that this does happen. And what I really liked about the campaign is they're not saying, especially with veterans, that's a huge little trigger point sometimes. They're not saying don't own a gun. They're not saying guns are bad, don't have a firearm. They're just saying, if you have it, be mindful of A, B, and C. And there are certain things, there are people that are going through things and you may not know. And just having a firearm that's easily accessible, it's almost, it's, it's like someone's drunk. You, hey, you as a friend, give me your keys. We're not going to let you drive. So it's the same thing to me. If you are, if I know you as a friend, if I know Charles and he's feeling some kind of way, and I know that, whether it could be going through a divorce, something he lost his job. If we're talking and he says that he's feeling that way, and I know that he has a gun. And if I really see it, I'm not going to be offended if Charles says, Shay, you know what? You seem a little down. You good. Let me hold that. You know what? Let me just hold your, your, your uh, firearms. I'll put them in my safe, in my home. And when you're feeling better, you know, it's not an insult. I'm not saying that I think you would. I'm concerned as your friend. And that was a huge thing for me with the campaign to make me want to get behind it. Like I said, each day I seem to learn something new, whether it's from something someone says to me or something I read. So that is true. I, I didn't, like I said, I don't want to sound completely callous. Why can't you just go and talk to someone about it? Because I had to really think if they didn't talk to you and you're supposed to be close to them, why do you think they're going to go talk to a stranger? And I think that's a really great point. These are two really difficult conversations to have, one about suicide and the other about firearms. They're both so intensely private topics for us, for service members and veterans, for different reasons, right? Uh, some were like, it, it's none of your business whether I have firearms or not. That's my own personal right. And suicide really has to do with shame. And I don't want people to know that I'm struggling. Why do you think it's important to talk about both, maybe separately or especially as you did here together and how they relate to each other? Ah, I feel like there's just a big, real big importance when you, you bring them both into the picture. Cause like you said, they do have, it's a hot topic on both ends when it comes to guns and when it comes to suicide. And if it's veteran suicide, it's two big topics. And I feel like the importance of bringing both of those topics into one conversation, it'll, it opens the door in my opinion to just really hashing it out and seeing the relationship between the two, how they coincide with each other. And then especially with different lives and different people interact with both of them in different ways, whether I'm a veteran and I own a gun or I'm just a veteran and I know other veterans that own weapons. So it's, I don't want to, I don't know how you want to call it a cesspool of, of, of everything. If you put them all in there, then we can bounce around and see, find different solutions or identify different things we might not have identified if we didn't have both of those in the conversation as far as the guns and the veterans and suicide. So I feel like just having them there and just having them be those elephants in the room at the same time, it really allows the conversation to develop and for people to really understand, like Shay said, the numbers behind it and how, how crazy and out of hand some of this is really getting. So I feel like that's my take on it. Having both of them in the same conversation and not just dealing one with one at a time, it just allows, opens the door, lets everyone speak on it. And we'll get down to seeing what potential solutions we could have or, you know, 
But I think it takes a measure of trust. And Shay, you were talking earlier to be able to say that if someone that you trust enough to be able to show that you're feeling down, that that, that person, you have to trust them enough to show that they have to trust you enough to say, I'm going to reach out and help you at the same time, somebody who you trust to hand your firearms over to. And I think this is a big conversation that a lot of people, um, especially when they're talking about maybe providers that they're just getting to know, you don't get to talk about my guns or my sadness immediately any more than you talk about the way I discipline my children or what happens in my bedroom. You don't, we don't talk about those things. And so it's a measure of trust, I think, for a lot of service members. I agree. I like Charles' analogy of the elephant in the room. Because when you break, break it all the way down, it really is. It's a very tough, it's tough enough to talk about, to tell someone, like you said, to have the trust to tell someone and confide that this is how you're feeling. These are your feelings and you're not sure. And maybe you're not asking them for help. You just want to get it off your shoulders. But then to have that friend know that you have firearms and everything and they have that different concern or that extra added element of concern. I think I loved how that is an elephant in the room. And I think it depends on the person's level of friendship and that level of trust between both of those people as to how they're going to talk about it, how the subject is going to be brought up and how delicate you're going to have to be to say what you need to say. But that is going to depend on your relationship with that person. And hopefully it can, you can navigate it a little bit, but I do believe it would be difficult. But at the same time, if someone is coming to you and they're talking to you about their issues, that in itself is a huge step forward in getting them. They're already opening up you may not want to say it right away, but I think if you're close enough for them to talk to you about it, then they're probably open enough. Admit that, yeah, I'm okay. And if you want to take my firearms, I'm okay with that too. And know that you don't mean it in any ill way. You're just concerned. And I think that goes to that brotherhood and sisterhood that you were talking about before, Charles. And you're, you would literally run into a, a burning fire. That was your job, right? That's what you did on the aircraft carrier. And sometimes veterans will do that for other veterans. No, let me go so you don't have to. So there's that measure of bravery. But this campaign, the service never stops, is somehow we hesitate with that when it comes to asking about firearms and suicide. That's a brave step to do. And I think both of you have, have really demonstrated that through this PSA. Thoughts? Right. Now, 100%. And it brings me back even to uh, one of the gentlemen we, we can, that helped and contributed to the uh, PSA, Chris Jackamick. And uh, he said, and, and the way he phrased it or his quote or just the building and the trust and the relationship, he's become that doctor to where you, you say you call him doc. You end up becoming so close to that person and getting to know each other that you've seen him routinely. And the trust has been built to where you can actually start calling, hey, doc, you let your guard down and you can have that open conversation. And then, so it's always building that trust, as Chris said, and allowing yourself to become doc to whoever you're trying to provide support to. Because at, at the in the beginning, you're almost like two strangers. So of course, being able to just hear someone tell you either your wrongdoings or your, your mishaps, it's tough to get to the meat of the conversation of what's going on. So it's having that at the forefront of your mind, if you're providing support or giving advice or whatever it might be, is just become doc, that person that you trust and so that then things will start to take care of itself, or at least the conversation will be able to move and that trust and relationship building is there. No, and, and, and I appreciate that. And that, that conversation about trust. And again, I think the value that the campaign that, that both of you participated in is really going to generate some of these conversations. And it's going to say, hey, if Shay and Charles and Chris and the other people that were in the PSA, if they were brave enough to do this out front like this, then I can too. Uh, now I am interested. And this was a little bit, yes, this is a very meaningful topic, but 
but this is a neat experience for each of you to participate in as well. I'd like to pull the curtain back a little bit on the production. The PSAs were really well done. What was it like for each of you in the pre-production and like the filming process and all? I, it was fun. It was I, in the beginning. It was a little bit. I wasn't sure what to expect. And then when they you know contact you and you do your Zoom meetings and you're meeting the people behind the scenes, I thought that was pretty cool that they took time to get to know you. The I think the big takeaways for me throughout it all, and I hope this doesn't come out to offend anyone because it's not meant to do that. So I'm hoping that they don't take it like that if they hear it. It was, uh, I don't know if Charles thinks that, but when you're around it so much and you retire, in my mind, especially in this area, I just think everyone, like I know the Navy, you know the Marine Corps, they're the branches, they're insignia, stuff like that. So what I found hilarious to me was like the people behind the scenes that were on the big old TVs, the Apple TVs, but they're talking to the director and the producer and asking certain questions to ask us. They were asking questions like, what is that thing back there? And the uh, one of the I think production assistants he was like what's that globe looking thing and they're like that's the Eagle Globe and anchor that's the EGA like the Marine Corps <laughs> and it was just funny to me I, yeah I was like so what struck me is the fact that the people doing the PSAs right whether it's financing the project or reaching out wanting to advertise it that they felt that it was that important to have veterans be the voice. And because at first I was like, well, anyone can say, I don't understand why it needs to be a veteran. And and in those little moments like that is when I understood it because I'm like, whoa, wow. Okay. If you don't know what the service, then I got you. If you don't know what a firearm is or having to say what was in my safe or what is that in the background? What's that big gunner? It didn't, I don't know. I guess it was for me a, a different, it was a fun experience, but it also helped me understand that. The regular public that has never served in any branch, any type of military, they may not be able to relate. They can empathize, but they're not, I don't know. I don't want to say they can't help, but it would be probably more comfortable for me if I went to someone and if that person had served. If I'm talking to a, a psychiatrist or whatnot that has served in any branch that may have a, a little understand, a better understanding. And I'm not saying that anyone that doesn't would not be able to provide the help that a veteran would need. But that part of the filming experience stuck with me because of all the questions that they would ask about what is that or what does that mean? And I thought it was cool, but overall it was fun for me. It was fun to learn things. You just see a commercial or a TV show and you have no idea how many people are behind the lighting. I was just, wow. So they're putting black curtains over. I'm thinking you need the light. No, they don't want the light over here. It was very fun in that respect. And seeing them rearrange my house was a little bit unnerving. But it was still fun. I appreciate that. But also that goes back to that establishing trust because my wife hates it watching a military movie with me. Right. You know, like because veterans know. But that's the thing is you have that legitimacy and and trying to present someone as a veteran who's not a veteran would be able to see through that and easily do that. But being able to show who you really are can provide that legitimacy to veterans. And so I think that was really well done. Charles, what was your experience? Uh, right off the bat, I enjoyed it. It was cool. I felt like we're kicking off this acting career of mine. I'm jumping on this backstage.com website to start figuring out other ways to get behind the camera. But no, it was great. And like Shay said, just everything that goes into it, it shows the care and they're really trying to put this together for the impact and the message and all that. It's You've got, like she said, the cameras, the lights, 20 other people in New York watching it on you know, a Zoom call where it really is that meaningful to this entire group. And that stuck out a lot to me. It was everyone just trying to put in their little bits and pieces, their thoughts here and there. 
And it seemed like everyone really cared, like the way they put everything together down to what I was wearing, the director, everyone that was here, the crew, it was just uh, the sound hooking up with the uh, the mic and whatnot. It was a cool experience. They took over our, our whole hallway. We had neighbors looking at us. What's going on over here? Is there a movie in the making? Can I be an extra type thing? It was cool. I just, I had my, my fiance was here, so she was enjoying it. And it was just really cool to just see what all goes into the making behind the scenes of a PSA. And then one such as this. Just seeing all the little details, the ins and outs. And we had a cooler of all types of drinks if you needed something, all an array of snacks. Like I was like, man, I could do this day in and day out. Like game on, let's go. But uh, yeah, not nah, overall awesome experience. They were here, what, eight, eight hours, switched up the whole living room and tore stuff down, put stuff back up. But it was right back all where it needed to be when they were done. So th- that eight hours flew by and it was uh, it was great. Like I said, it really, it made me really fall in love with what it takes to really put these types of things together and the people that come together to make it all happen. It's like, a, it's almost like a little family type thing, the atmosphere and the vibe. And I could see how either actors or people that do this on a daily basis, they become that close to each other and, and the relationships build and, and whatnot. So it was an awesome experience. And I even told him, I try to throw little bugs here and there to different crew members. Hey, if you ever see anything or need somebody, don't hesitate. You can let me know. I'll, I'll help you all out. I'll jump, off. be an extra, be a side character, whatever. So was- and, and you both literally opened your doors. As you said, before we started talking, Shay, they used some of your pictures. Like they, you, you brought in like your lives were opened to the crew to be able to use. I did. And when they, they were very kind and almost they're in touch with you, whether it's via email or text the whole time until they get to your home. And for me, once you put faces to names and you're able, oh, I was emailing, you got it. They were so nice and so welcoming. And when they started, just even from the director, who was absolutely awesome and the producer, they wanted to get it right. That's what stood out to me most. A shot that I'm like, really, my hand is getting raw. If I open the safe one more time, they were, we want to get this shot. We want to make sure it's portrayed right. We want to make sure uh, we get the right angle. They took the time, like, and it it was impressive to me to see that they actually cared about what they were going to put out there. For us, it was eight hours to film, but to see it come down to 30 seconds or 60 seconds, they did a great job. So it was easy to open up your home. They were very respectful. Everybody from which bathroom they wanted, what can we, what can we use? Or if they made a run for a Starbucks, Shay, you want a Starbucks? I got a Keurig right here. We can make coffee. I got creamer. I got you. They were so friendly and any pictures they saw up or they want, you know, in between a take or anything, they have questions. It was, it seemed like they were interested. And if they were not, they did a good job making it seem like they were. So they were very open to, and a few of the questions, and I don't know if Charles got this, we had to answer certain questions that they would just say at you. And then you'd have to not answer questions. You'd have to repeat it. And it was one time in particular, I just paused because I couldn't believe the number. And they were like, Shay, did you, did you get that? I'm like, I need a minute. Did you say blank percentage up? Are you serious? I could not believe it. So even though you're the one being the voice of it, it was a lot of stuff I learned, like not knowing the numbers. Just, it was sad. I I, I guess I'll use that. Mm -hmm. It was sad for me to learn that kind of stuff. Shocking. But the fact that for us to do it, it's easy. I know it is for me and I'm sure it is for Charles as it was for really you do service does. It never stops. You are always going to want to look out for your fellow brother or sister. I don't care what branch I don't care, but you're always going to want to look out for them. So to see that there were people who had never served and had taken, they could have said no to the job. They don't have to be on this crew. They could have done anything else, but they were willing to be part of this. 
and a lot of them who didn't have anyone that had served in the military and their family. But they thought this was a big thing and it was important for them to get it right. So they weren't going to leave if they didn't get the right shot. And I just thought that was really, it was impressive in the work ethic. It was crazy because I was tired and I wasn't doing nothing but talking. No, and it, and it does show. It is a very well done PSA series. And, and as I'd mentioned, it is already starting to get a lot of a lot of discussion. A lot of people are really seeing a lot of value in it. Before we close, uh, any final thoughts? Let me see, Dwayne. Final thoughts. And overall, like I said, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the impact, the PSA, and it to start to just take off. And the way I found out that it was actually live was cool was because it was through social media. And my brother sent me a message. Hey, bro. One of my friends says, is this your brother? I was like, wait, what? So I look, he sends it and I'm like, whoa, it's live. So it was cool to see just the, uh, the modality in which it would take off and reach the masses, social media, Instagram. So it was cool to see someone catch it, you know, what off of just randomness and then point it, pull it all back. So it's cool to see. And I'm waiting for a bunch of other people to ping me and, Hey man, is this you? And I got a guy, he did too, actually a couple of weeks ago. I haven't talked to him, man, 15 plus years back in high school. And he's in the army himself. So he just kind of sent me a screenshot and I was like, you know, right on. Like, that's cool. I haven't talked to the guy in so long. I mean, it's been forever. And he just sent me that. And I was just like, it's cool. So it'd be cool to relink with people like that. And my dad's retired 26 year senior chief. So he's looking forward to his buddies being like, Hey, we saw your son. He wants, to, he wants a little bit of that glory himself, but uh, yeah, no, that's, Kind of how I feel about it all. I'm looking forward to it. And yeah, just the messaging. And it's awesome because all overall, it's a topic that needs to be addressed. And it's something that's very, yeah, just profound. And we've got to get it out there. So just having us vets represent it and push it forward is just, I feel like the way it should be. I'm going to piggyback off of Charles. It is the message. I think having it out there and bringing it to the table for conversation. Because when I started, I didn't know about that. I didn't know. You hear about it, but because I didn't know anyone that had died in that manner. Personally, you've heard, I knew of, but no friends or family member. So this, I'm hoping that the message is received as we put it out there. That if you have, I don't want to say an issue, but if you are going through anything like that, that there is help. There are plenty of, plenty of organizations that are there to help, period. And you can go, everyone has a cell phone. Whether you have a laptop, a computer, you got a cell phone, which is a computer. And just look it up. Between the Brady United, the Ad Council, the In Family Fire, I was amazed at the stuff I learned and what's available to you. And I just think that's what I'm looking forward to. The message to, you know, not so much. I'm not friends. I'm like, Charles, they're still pinging me on certain things like, hey, because I'm not a social media person. I do just really, I'm still new to Instagram, but I don't have Facebook. So to see um, friends send me a screenshot, is this you? Oh, it says shade the bar. So I think it is. But the bigger conversation that's coming behind it. And the more that we talk with people like you, Dwayne, and the more you get the message out, I hope that it is something that people really listen to and think about. And if it's not for you, think about the people. It may bring your attention to someone in your life that you think is struggling, but you weren't sure and positive enough to go talk to them. This may open up the door for some people, somebody to do that. And if it helps one person, then what we did was well worth it. Absolutely. And what you did was very well done. Thank you both for participating in the PSA and thank you both for coming on the show today. Thank you, Dwayne. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Same, Dwayne. Appreciate it. Thank you so much.
Once again, we would like to thank this week's sponsor, PsychArmor. PsychArmor is the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners as well as custom training options for organizations. You can find more about PsychArmor at psycharmor.org. For anyone who knows me or has listened to a previous episode of the show, suicide prevention for the military-affiliated population is a particular passion of mine. Like many veterans, I've had lived experience with family members who have died by suicide or experienced a significant suicidal crisis. Like Charles, I've lost a number of those that I served with to suicide. And as both Charles and Shay have mentioned, we've all been in some dark places in our lives where we struggled ourselves. It happens a lot more than you might think or readily want to admit. The difference for many is whether or not they have the resources available and the willingness to reach out for help when we are in those crisis moments. To start off, I want to share one resource that is always available, the Veteran Crisis Line. If you or someone you know is struggling with thoughts of suicide or lethal self-harm, then call the Veteran Crisis Line. The number is 1-800-273-8255 and press 1. You can also find them online at veterancrisisline.net or by texting 838-255. I've heard from many who want to shy away from the crisis line. They hear that it's not effective or that they'll put you on hold or that they don't know what they're talking about or what you're going through or they're just going to call the cops and send them to your house or a dozen other reasons to not call. I hear you and those may be uncomfortable possibilities, but they're also part of those negative voices in your mind that can keep you stuck in a dark place. The stories of being placed on hold or getting a voicemail are many years old. Improvements have been made to ensure that that doesn't happen. If you call them, are you guaranteed to get someone who served in the military? No. But you're guaranteed to talk to someone who is trained in helping people experiencing a suicidal crisis. I would rather have someone who is trained to help me out of a dark place than someone who served in the military but is not trained in suicide intervention. And will they call the cops on you? If you were in a crisis and you called me and could not guarantee that you had the ability to keep yourself safe, were actively engaging in self-harm behavior, or were intoxicated or otherwise under the influence of substances, which means that you couldn't make rational decisions to keep yourself safe, And guess what? I'm going to call the first responders as well. I'm going to make it clear to them that this is a crisis situation, not a criminal situation. And first responders around the nation are being trained how to respond to crisis situations differently. But if the choice is calling 911 or the death of a fellow veteran, then I'm calling 911 every time because I want you and all who serve to see the sunrise in the morning. And the Veteran Crisis Line is not just for veterans. It can be used for anyone who's affiliated with the military. Active service members, military spouses, anyone who has a loved one in crisis. They can talk you through what to say or do if someone you care about is in crisis and provide additional support if needed. I always recommend that people know about the crisis line, save it in your phone, make it be one of the first things that you think about when things start to go sideways, because you never know when it might be necessary. The other thing that I'd like to talk about is the need to address firearms when we talk about suicide prevention for the military-affiliated population. If we're not talking about lethal means safety in the context of suicide prevention, then we're not talking about suicide prevention. If you appreciated this episode, then I suggest you go back and listen to episode 5, which featured Dr. Heidi Kraft, Dr. Ted Bonar, and Dr. Kyle Ann Hunter. I'll talk more about that resource in a minute. There's been a lot of discussion about the need for it when talking about suicide in the military-affiliated population. Veterans are familiar with firearms. We use them in the military. For many, but not all, service members, firearms were a critical part of their occupational specialty. Many veterans use firearms for sport or collecting or personal safety. And while they can be enjoyable, they are also extremely lethal 
and the combination of unsecured firearms and a suicidal crisis is a recipe for disaster. As we talked about in this episode, both suicide and firearm ownership are sensitive topics for many who serve. When we start talking about lethal means safety, many people think we're going to talk about gun control, but we're not. We're not saying service members and veterans shouldn't own firearms, and we're not talking about violating anyone's rights. We're talking about safety, just like we put on our seatbelts in case we get into an accident so that the accident isn't fatal. We secure our firearms in case we get into a crisis so that the crisis isn't fatal. And for many service members, we're not the only ones in our homes who may be experiencing a crisis. So we may think that we're quote unquote good, but what about our spouses or our children or others in our home who may be experiencing a crisis? The last thing that any of us want is to lose a loved one to suicide and definitely not in a manner that could have been avoided. So take a look at the Service Never Stops campaign, which will be linked in the show notes. Share this episode or one of the PSAs on social media. Reach out and start to have conversations because having conversations like this one in public is the only way that we're going to make a difference. For this week's Psych Armor Resource of the Week, I'd like to share the Behind the Mission episode featuring Drs. Kraft, Bonar, and Hunter, BTM05, Firearms and Suicide Prevention. In that episode, we talked about their collaborative work in addressing firearms and suicide in the military-affiliated population, as well as a partnership with StackUp.org, where they provided a talk on veterans, suicide prevention, and safe storage on a Twitch stream event. You can listen to that episode by scrolling to episode 5 in the very same podcast feed that you're listening to this one on, or by going to the link in the show notes. So thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. Make sure to take a look at the show notes, which you can find in your podcast player of choice, as well as at psychomer.org forward slash podcast. You will find the link to everything we talked about in today's show, as well as hundreds of online training videos delivered by nationally recognized subject matter experts who are committed to educating the civilian community about military culture. All of these courses are free to individual learners. Thank you for joining me on this episode and for continuing to join us on this journey. You wouldn't be listening if you didn't care, and it's that curiosity and passion for supporting service members and their families that we want to encourage and increase. Come back each week for another conversation, and make sure to engage with PsychArmor on social media to let us know what you think about the show. I'd like to express special thanks to Operation Encore and Navy Seahawk pilot Jerry Maniscalco for our theme song, Don't Kill the Messenger. This show was produced by Headspace and Timing, and all rights to the show remain reserved by PsychArmor. Feel free to share the show. In fact, we would like for you to do that, but make sure you let folks know where you heard it. Join us next time for another great episode, and until then, stay aware, get educated, and be well.